Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Friday, July twenty first, twenty twenty three. It is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. I am Mike Cat. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Friday. We, of course, are on the eve of UFC London and the return of Tom Aspinall. And we're going to take on Martin Tybora. We got Molly McCann back at it in the co-main event against Julia Stolyarenko, who... We talked about her on the program yesterday. Weren't really sure how she was going to look at 125. And man, Stolyarenko looked damn good at 125. She looked healthy. She looked happy. She did the whole, hey, I'm going to brush all this negativity off my shoulders after she made weight. I think she's a live underdog now. I think she's a live dog in this fight. Now that she's healthy and, and ready to go. So... That's going to be a much more interesting fight than I thought it was going to be. I was definitely concerned about that. I know it wasn't the only one, but she made the weight, as did the other fighters. All 30 fighters made weight early this morning. Shout out to Shaheen Al-Shadi for covering the weigh-ins for us super early in the morning. I was still sleeping by the time it all went down, but a lot to discuss. It's free-for-all Friday. Also, we got some news yesterday that it did not take very long to get the answer to one of the big questions that we had on the show yesterday. Who is Corey Sanhagen going to fight in the main event of UFC Nashville on August 5th? And we found out, confirmed, multiple sources, first reported by the great Mark Ramundi of ESPN. It's going to be Rob Font. It's going to be Rob Font. Rob Font no longer fighting in Boston. And it worked out in a, in a weird way because... Song Yedong, I'm told, was not going to be able to compete at UFC 292. 
And I was told yesterday that when the news of Umar Nurmagomedov came about that he was not going to be able to compete August 5th, not long after or right around the same time, Song Yidong out of the fight as well with Rob Font at UFC 292. So Rob needed an opponent anyways. It's probably going to be tough to get him one on that card. So opportunity knocks. The timing is perfect. And Rob Font has a huge opportunity to jump the line at 36 years of age. And I got to tell you, I do not blame Rob Font one bit for taking this fight, especially now that the Boston fight was off the table. And at 36, man, he could make something happen. That is going to be a fun fight. I don't know how many people are going to watch that fight because we got Jake Paul and Nate Diaz the same night. And it's going to be a busy-ass day in the world of combat sports. So we got our answers there. And maybe this show can help produce other answers. Maybe we'll put some good juju out into the world and we get other answers to other questions. So let's get after it. Free for all Friday. What's on your mind? Jay, kick us off. Jay, are you there? Try again, Jay. Do I have you? Okay. Do we have Jay Stat? What's up, Jay Stat? Good morning to you. You too. What's up? Okay, so my first question, I saw rumors of, uh, you know, Kobe Covington versus Leon Edwards potentially on the John Jones card as the co-main event. And I wanted to know, like, you know, what are you hearing about that? And my second question is, if Tom Aspinall wins, will we see him on the Jones card potentially versus Sergey Pavlovich? And that would be all. So my guess, I don't have a ton of insight. I know Colby did an interview with Submission Radio. I know he left a little video message for Chael Sonnen, which he put on his YouTube channel yesterday. As far as Colby knows, they're targeting MSG, and I think that makes total sense. I think that makes total sense. Now, could there be hiccups in play? Sure. Could they need a main event for December? Sure. And that one would, would be a fine main event. But it all depends. I think Connor is a big factor in this conversation. If they can somehow get Connor at least targeted for December or at least have another title fight ready to go. But I think we're going to have to kind of wait and see. I feel like MSG is going to be the spot for that fight. Been saying it for a while, especially after the Jones fight got announced. That's just a massive one-two punch. The UFC likes to load that card up. And Colby and John Jones on the same press conference stage is just going to be wild and crazy. And I feel like that makes a lot of sense for that card, but it could end up in December as well. But I would say I'm probably 70, 30 with, with my gut that that fight will happen in November, but it could happen in December as well. But then Connor's in play. I think we have to wait to see what happens next week with the Jan Bohovic, Alex Pereira fight. Because if, I would say if Pereira wins, I think the UFC will try to get that Pereira-Yuri Prohashka vacant title fight on that card. But do they want to play with fire again and try to put a vacant light heavyweight title fight on that year-end card like they did last year? Create some more headaches, potentially. It's a risk they might take, but I don't know. 
But I, I think November, if the UFC had their druthers, will be the spot for the Leon versus Colby fight. As far as Aspinall goes, it probably depends on how he looks. I don't know if... Because we got Jelton Almeida fighting Curtis Blades as well. So, I mean, if Jelton Almeida goes out there and just mushes Curtis Blades like he's done to everybody else, then I think he's probably ahead of Tom Aspinall. And they might, and we don't even know what John's going to do. Like if John beats Stipe, which I am favoring him to do, will he stick around? If he does, he's probably going to have to fight Pavlovich because I just don't know if there's anybody else there for him that's going to really, I don't know. It's it's just, it's tough. It's tough. So I think we're going to have to wait and see. I think Aspinall will certainly be, be in play, but he'll probably have to win another fight. But I would say... Pavlovich is kind of at the top of the list. If Almeida beats Blades, I would say he's right behind him, and then Aspinall is a close third, but still not a bad place to be. We'll see how he looks tomorrow. I think it's a really good matchup for him. I do think a lot of people are sleeping on Marcin Tibora, but I just think this matchup really favors Tom Aspinall. That knee is good to go, and I would I would guess that it is. I think it's going to be a good night for Tommy Aspinall. Jay, do we have you? Hey, Mike, you able to hear me? Yep. All right, great. First off, happy Friday. Uh, two questions I have is, first, who do you want to see Kamaru Usman now face for the number one welterweight contender? Since we now know Kamzat's moving up. Like, maybe they could do him versus Bilal on the same card as Leon and Kobe, or maybe the winner versus Shafkat and Kelvin Gaslin. And the next question I have is, do you think the UFC might have pressured Oliveira to take this fight? Because if he loses this, especially in the same way he lost the first one, he's probably going to be in Max Holloway and Robert Whitaker's territory now. He's just going to be fighting the up-and-comers now. And I don't know if this is really the best decision for him, even though he is getting a title shot and is doing the UFC a favor. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on those two. And have a heck of a morning. What was the first question again? I'm sorry. Oh, um, who do you think Kamaru Usman should face now? For- okay, okay, okay. I got you. Thanks, man. Uh, man, I don't know what they're going to do with Usman. Maybe they do Bilal. I know Bilal is in play, but I think if Colby wins the belts, Bilal is kind of, I don't know. Bilal is in an interesting spot. But I think Bilal would, I think Bilal would at least think about taking that fight. If Bilal is just like, no, my next fight's for the belts, and I would totally understand if he did that, I, it's, it's Shafkat. Like, if he beats, if Shafkat beats Kevin Gasolum, it's Shafkat. 100%. But Usman also in a very strange place. I think he's probably going to be the biggest Colby Covington fan on the planet. But Usman's going to have to beat somebody. So maybe it's Bilal. Maybe Shafkat if he, be, if he wins and he can turn around before the end of the year. But those would be probably the only two. I, I mean, I told you, I didn't think that Hamza fight was going to happen. Dana was steadfast against it already. He said, we're not doing a catch weight. We'll do it at 185. And I just didn't see a world where that was going to happen. So that's what we have right now. And I don't think Oliver was pressured, man. Like, I think he was very smart about how he approached media during the fight week saying, oh, I'm not going to be ready. He didn't mention anything really specific that I can recall. But I also think he understands that if he didn't take the shot now, 
getting it later is going to be real tough because we do eventually have Connor coming back. We have Chandler. We have guys coming up, and we have the BMF title fight between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. Two guys, by the way, who have not fought Islam Makachev before, and you would suspect that the winner of that fight is going to be at the top of the line, was going to jump Oliver anyway. So I think Oliver probably used that, those media interviews to negotiate a little bit, little, some negotiation tactics. I, pro- I think he talked himself into a couple of extra bucks. I think Volk getting the surgery when he did kind of put him in a position where it was kind of a no-brainer, but I think he kind of understood that Poirier and Gaethje are going to beat the hell out of each other. Not Neither of them are going to turn around in October for October, and the winner of that fight is going to jump them, plain and simple. So, yeah, I don't think there was really a lot of pressure. I think the UFC just came with a with a bigger bag and – I think he realized this is his best chance to get one a, a back to a title shot quick within a year because not a lot of people saw that coming or really giving him a chance to do that, even heading into the Darius fight. Darius wins, he's definitely getting a title shot. Oliver, hmm, not really feeling it as much. But then he went out and just ran over Darius and timing kind of played out. So probably not the most ideal, but if he wants a, a title shot and he wants to try to avenge that loss, he's got to take it. He's got to take it. Zach, hello. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, I'm going to go full-on hypothetical free-for-all Friday here. I've been playing a lot of modded UFC 2 and 3 lately, and uh, I want to get your thoughts. If D- Prime DJ versus Prime John Jones, except illegal strikes are legal for DJ, who do you think wins? Thanks, Mike. And they're both like, this is not a hypothetical where they have to like somehow be the same weight? No, 125 DJ, 205 John Jones, but nut shots, eye gouges, all of the above, legal for DJ. Um, John Jones wins. <laughs> Smushes him. John takes him down, just sits on him. Like DJ can kick him in the balls and gouge the eyes all he wants, but John's going to sit on him and tap him. He's just too big, man. He's just too big. Skill for skill, DJs can hang. Like, if they were both somehow, like, lightweights, they could somehow morph into lightweights and each fight each other 155. I think DJ has a pretty good chance. But, yeah, John just – John just. I mean, John just kicks him in the face. He's done. And I love DJ. I don't think DJ gets enough credit for his UFC title run. But, yeah, John wins that fight. For sure. Let's go. We'll go to JD, then we'll go to Toke, and then we'll go to Four Corner Sports. And then we'll keep on going. I see a lot of you lining up. JD, are you there? Brother? Good. How are you, sir? Dude, I'm great. Been a while since I've been on here. Um, So for some of us in states like Georgia who we don't have sports betting, we can do the – fantasy sports betting so my question for you this week is uh if you had to put a little fantasy lineup for this weekend who would you put together um otherwise man hope all is well with you and thank you so much (sighs) 
These, these are always tough questions because I got to see. Let me see if I can get some. I'm looking it up to see if I can get some like price tags on people. Because I never really remember. Like Asphodel is 9,700. So I feel like if you take him, you're just losing out on a bunch. I think Stoliarenko is not a bad choice at 6,800 to have in your lineup, especially with how she looked on the scale. Nathaniel Wood's probably too high. I think Paul Craig's an interesting one. Uh, Jai Herbert, he could just... Because I think if Jai Herbert's going to win, he's going to have to wrestle. So I think 7500s not bad. Probably have to get one more price tag guy. Maybe Lerone Murphy and then Davey Grant. I think that would probably round us out pretty good. Davy Grant, 7,700. Yeah. It's tough without actually like having a lineup in front of me and seeing like what the options are, but you got to pick some, a couple of heavy hitters and then a bunch of dogs. And I think it's a pretty good lineup right there. I think that could work. Let's go to Toke. Hey, buddy the weigh-ins but uh at the same time an email was sent out by the ufc about uh tickets now being on sale for the abu dhabi card and uh, i was at work so i went uh i only opened the email when it was done with work at about 3 p.m my time which is like an hour ago and the card is sold out i i was on the official site the entire arena is already sold out. So, which means they can just, you know, put Islam on there and then it's a sellout, which is kind of amazing, especially seeing the price tags. It cost about, yeah, it cost, uh, I think it was $120-ish for the cheapest seat. So you're sitting in the bleachers, which, uh, so yeah, it's a money-making machine down there. People traveling from all over to get to Abu Dhabi. That's that was just an observation. Um, but what I wanted to say is, let's see, Mark Dia Casey or D1 Casey, as he's going to be in this fight because he's gonna, he's just gonna take down uh, Joel Alvarez because he has no takedown defense. That's just gonna happen. So I'm gonna say that as the as the DraftKings play. And, oh, shit, I had another thing. God damn it. Um, walking around. Yeah, sorry, I remember now. It was the GSP Damian Maya thing that that Ma- Damian Maya, I think he uh, teased it on his Instagram. Is that grappling match happening in December? Is that a thing? Because I am intrigued as fuck for that, if that's the thing. Thank you, Mike. So I've talked to some people about that. Um, if it is a, a thing, then they're not confirming it. No one's confirming it. As of right, I'm told that a, an opponent hasn't been officially selected, but that doesn't mean anything. They just aren't ready to announce it or whatever. That'd be a good one, though. But the way Damien worded that tweet, it was like, oh, it's done. But obviously you have to go through and 
you know, so I saw some people like write articles about it and then they had to like redact it and give an update saying, eh, I guess it's not a hundred percent true. So it's always important to do that before you put stuff out there, but that'd be a good one. That'd be an intriguing one for sure. But from what I'm told, it's not done. And GSP still opponentless at this time. March of Casey, I looked at, I think Joel Oliver is going to finish him, honestly. Either, either he's going to knock him out or even if Jacasey gets takedowns, Joel Alvarez is pretty good on the ground. He's really good off his back. And look, Mark Jacasey is a talented guy. He's got skills, no doubt about it. But he ain't Armin Sarukian, my friends. He is not Armin Sarukian. Joel Alvarez can compete on the ground with him. He might not be able to stop the takedowns, but Joel Alvarez with straight grappling exchanges on the ground. I think Joel does pretty damn well down there. So I know a lot of people love the stat that he has a 0% takedown defense, but is Jacques going to get a couple takedowns? Sure. Could I see Alvarez jumping a, a really sharp? We talk, we make, we, we talk shit about people who jump gilly, but Joel Alvarez is actually really good at it. And there are opportunities for him to submit Mark Casey in this fight. So if you're confident Casey's going to win, go for it. But I think you can get better value at 7,200. Like Parkins at 7,300, like there's a great chance he finishes that fight. Um, Penny Kanzad at 7,100, I think's probably going to win that fight. Yeah, I think I think there's just other value there. I think there's other value. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to Four Corner Sports. Hey, Mike. What's up, man? Um, so I remember there was a question um, earlier being asked about what could possibly ha- happen for the December card. And um, wouldn't Volkanovski be, you think, eligible to return back to fight um, Ilya Zaporia? I mean, I could see them having Volkanovski main event as long as, you know, Connor and Chandler are still you know, in the talks, I mean, at this rate, it, it feels like Connor and Chandler, like, even if it happens, it might not happen until, like, January, just because um, people keep on pushing, you know, for it to happen and stuff like that, and maybe what you said yesterday was accurate, that maybe just Connor just, you know, isn't responsible enough to keep himself out of trouble. But I can see for December, if, if that's the case, if they feel skeptical about putting, you know, the the light heavyweight uh, title, the late, the vacant light heavyweight title um, as the main event, they could just put Volkanovski as the main event and then have that featured as the 
the co-main event. Um, although I, I feel like, you know, Yeri versus uh, Alex Pereira would do, you know, great numbers um, if it was a main event. And um, if, if Jones does retire, right, because, I mean, I know he's he's hinted at this, you know, because he wants, you know, challenges that, that's going to get him out of bed. And he feel, feels like the CP matchup would be it. If Jones just decides to walk away from it, um, what what do you think they will end up doing, you know, with Sergey Pavlovich, and like who would you think he'd be his next opponent? All right, that's all I got. Thanks. So yeah, could they do Volkaporia? Sure. It's tough to say because we don't know what the schedule is going to look like. It seems like Australia is going to be a a multi time a year destination. For the UFC, especially after the success of the February card. We'll see how the September card goes. But they went to Australia in February. And if they're planning on doing that again, kind of doesn't make sense to put Volk on December in Vegas when we can do Sydney or wherever they're going to go in Australia two months later. So I think it, geographically, we have to kind of see what the schedule is going to look like. But sure. I mean, that fight's a sick-ass fight. So put that on any card and I'm down. But if they're going to go back to Australia first quarter of 2024, you would think Volk's going to headline that one with Izzy headlining the last one. So it's, it's got to be one of those two guys for sure. Could they do Izzy DDP? Yeah. Could they do Izzy DDP and then Volk Taporia as the co-main? Sure. But I think we have to kind of wait and see what happens there. But yeah, they did Volk and Taporia. On that December card, sign me the hell up for that fight. And heavyweights, I don't know, man. Again, we have to kind of wait and see how this all plays out. I would say if Jelton Almeida beats Curtis Blades, it will be Jelton Almeida versus Sergey Pavlovich for the vacant title. And I don't think John's going to straight retire. I just think he's going to wait and see if something happens. I don't think Sergey's going to get over as a star. I think he'll just be a badass knockout artist. I don't know if he just has that appeal globally or in North America. Jelton, I think, might. I think there's a chance he could. And I don't think Curtis Blades is getting the title shot. So if Curtis Blades wins and Tom Aspinall wins then I think they would do maybe – I think they'd give Aspen all the title shot. I know I know Cyril Gahn's getting ready to fight, but he's had two chances at the belt, so I don't think he's going to get another one, at least so quickly. I don't think Spivak gets one. So I would guess it's going to be Sergey versus Aspinall as the second option, but Sergey versus Jelton if he beats Blades would be the other one. But I think John will just walk away, and if something – comes along that gets him excited and that can make him a ton of money. Then he'll come back. But steep a fight makes him a ton of money. It's a, it's prize fighting. And I do think is a, I do think John Jones is a very favorable matchup to fight Sergey Pavlovich. I think John could take him down and just tap him real quick. It's very possible that happens. Sergey could also punch him really hard in the face and knock him out. But I do think stylistically that matchup, favors John Jones in a, in a lot of respects. 
but I just don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze financially for him. He'll get good good money, but not Stipe money or Francis money. I think Francis would get him back. Maybe someone breaks through. I don't know. Maybe Aspinall could be the guy. Maybe Aspinall just breaks through and becomes a global superstar. Maybe John will want to come back. So heavyweight's interesting. It's more interesting with John there, that's for sure. And I'm sure the UFC would love to keep him around. But even Dana's kind of prefaced that John might walk away. And I don't think it's a straight retirement, but I think it's a sabbatical for sure. If he does win. And we can't count Stipe out. And I do think if Stipe wins, he's probably done. I think it's Stipe's last fight either way. But we'll see what John does. Justin, hello. Hello. I have a really goofy question for you. Let's go. So this hypothetical situation, it's called the I'll have what he's having challenge. He has to go through at least 10 drive throughs with a soft limit of about six hours. You get four participants, including yourself. Maximum of one drink place. Maximum of two dessert places. What you have to do when you go through the drive-thru, you go in behind someone and you tell the person, I'll have whatever they're having in front of you. So you don't really know what you're getting until you get it. Um, So I'll go through it again. One drink place, two dessert places. You have to go through KFC at least once. And you can only have one repeat restaurant and... I'm going to say you have to make a team of yourself in three fighters, limit of one fighter who's middleweight or above, and no Patty, no Parker Porter. Jesus Christ. Uh, Well, I'm going Dunkin' Donuts, that's for sure. I think John Jones could probably eat his ass off, so I'll, I'll take John. Derek Lewis would be fun to uh, – you know what? I'm taking Derek Lewis. I think Derek Lewis would just be a joy to have in the car with you. Dessert places? drive throughs If Friendly's had a drive through I'd probably go to Friendly's. If you're from New England, you understand why. It's just a classic. So Derek Lewis would be one. Brandon Moreno would be one. Because I actually think that dude can eat too, and he would just be a joy. Derek Lewis and Brandon Moreno in the same freaking car? Golly. Who else would I put on there? I think you need to mix up the personalities a little bit. I think you need someone who's just like nice to be around but doesn't say a whole lot. And I know he's not on the active roster anymore. I know he just retired, but... I would just like to hear Robbie Lawler stories while I'm getting going through all these draft years. I don't know if I answered that fucking question correctly, but I did my best. Friendlies twice, Dunkin' Donuts once, and KFC, sure. Let's go. Mikey, hello. Uh, morning, Mikey. Morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Um, in honor of Oppenheimer, I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, uh, Oppenheimer yet, but in honor of Christopher Nolan's new film coming out, Name me your four favorite, or even five favorite Nolan films. Also, um, how far do you think, you know, everyone keeps talking about Roman Reigns' streak, but how far do you think Gunther should go as the as a unbeaten intercontinental champion? Also, um, oh, goodness gracious. Do you, if you, do you even care about the Women's World Cup? If you do, 
who do you think the final will be? The United States is going to win. We're going to kill everybody. But, you know, it's who do you think they'll play in the final? And, um, uh, geez, what's another part I want to throw up just for the hell of it? Um, you know, yeah, I'm blanking right now. Sorry. All right, guys. Have a good Friday. Be kind to one another. Talk to you later. Uh, Gunther's great. So I would like to see him have that title for another year. There's no need to rush him. Let him let him have it for another year. Let's build it up and then put it on someone who could do something with it and get the rub and then send him up and win the other title. Man, four or five best Nolan movies. Dark Knight's number one for me. I've seen that movie a million times and never gets old. So I would definitely put that there. I have a soft spot for The Prestige. I really like that movie. So I'll put that on the list. Memento is really good. It doesn't get enough credit. Inception is friggin' insane. I mean, I could cop out and just go Batman Begins. Yeah, I'll probably go. I mean, Insomnia is good too. I'll go Batman Begins. Dark Knight Rises stinks. That is a bad movie. That was a letdown. Like, Bane's badass, dude, but it was just, it, it just felt like I was in the theater for eight days watching that movie. All the other bat, all the other known Batman movies I've watched multiple times. That one I've only seen once and I've never seen it again. I've had no interest in watching it again. It's just not good. It's just so long, dude. You could have cut an hour off that fucking movie. It's fine. It's fine. But I like my list. I like my list. You know, I, I look, I gotta only pick four or five. That's what I'm going with. If you gave me 10, I'd put Interstellar on the list. Maybe if you gave me seven, I'd put Interstellar on the list. But four or five movies I would definitely go and watch right this second without hesitation. Like if I flipped through the channels on, on cable, if I had it and stopped and saw those movies, I would stop and watch those. Uh, let's go to Mom- Momenala. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm good, sir. How about you? Good. What's up? Uh, I was wondering, do you think if Islam Mahachev can finish Charles Oliveira in their next fight, do you think he enters the GOAT list of the lightweight division? And is he better than Habib if he beats Charles Oliveira? Um, no, on the GOAT list. He's just not there yet, man. He's just not there. I need it like, th- and this is my thing. This is why I was in no huge rush to see Makachev fight Volkanovski again. He's got to beat. He's got to beat these guys, man. Like he got it. The timing worked out great for him to fight Charles. And again, I've said this multiple times. Islam's run to a title shot is not his fault. Because I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, he hasn't beat a top five guy. Oh, he only beat like one or two ranked guys on the way up." It's not his fault. It's not his fault. He was supposed to fight Benil Dariush. He was supposed to fight other guys. Fights pulled out on him short notice. And then he was just in a position where he's like, well, I'm just going to take whatever I can get. I'm a company guy. But he's been matched up with 
Dariush, RDA, multiple times with RDA. But, I mean, his he, he beat Oliveira, squeaked out a win against Volk. But prior to that, I mean, Bobby Green, cool. Dan Hooker, short notice. Tiago Moises was a good performance. Drew Dober, good performance. Habib's resume is just way better. Uh, and Charles Oliveira's is way better, if we're being honest. Just look at the killers that this dude has fought, man, on this run. Guida, and this is 2018, Christos Giagos, Jim Miller, David Tamer, Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon, Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Makachev, loses that fight, Benil Dariush. I mean, that is that resume is insane. That resume is insane. So I would argue that Oliveira beating Makachev would actually put him in a better spot. It would put him in a better spot. I think it's Habib and BJ Penn is number two. But you can say BJ Penn's number one, and I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. But just if he runs off like if he beats like if he beats Oliveira and then beats a Gaethje and a Poirier and Saruki in a second time or a Fazeev, add one of these up and comers. Yeah, I think we have a I think we have a conversation to be had. But he hasn't defended his title yet against an actual lightweight. Oliveira is he already beat him. Let's run off like three or four and see where we and then, and then we can we can reconvene with that. Could he be could he be better than Habib? Sure, I think his resume could get there, but he's got work to do. He's got work to do. Oliveira has done a lot, and he's gotten very close. If Oliveira goes out and beats Islam, and then they run it a third time, and he beats Islam again, like, I think he's the dude. Like, I think that's it. You go out and beat Islam twice, I mean, I think he has a better case right now than, than Makachev does, but... Makachev's got skills. Makachev's a better striker than Habib, in my opinion. So it's a conversation that could be had. We're just not ready for it yet. It's too soon. Too soon. But he could get there. Makachev could be the champion of this division for a long time. It's very possible. But the other question I have is, how long do we have him for? Is he going to stick around and fight for three more years? Or is he going to win like three or four fights and just be done? These are questions I have as well. His longevity is going to be a big factor in this conversation. D-Rocks, hello. D-Rocks, are you there? You're muted. All right. Uh, Do we have you? It's not going through. How about Skyler? What's up, Skyler? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Heck of a morning. You too, man. Yeah, I got a free-for-all question for you. It might take me a minute, a minute to set up, but um, I know you don't like the term gatekeeper. And so from this other podcast uh, around the NFL, they created the Dalton line. So the concept was that Andy Dalton in his prime for the uh, Bengals was kind of quarterback purgatory, where if you were above the Dalton line – um, you were set at quarterback, and if you were below 
you were looking for one. And he was like that middle ground where he wasn't good enough to win you something, uh, win you the title, but good enough to get you there. So from an MMA perspective, who would you name a fictional line like that after where they're not good enough to really contend for a title, but they're, you know, maybe they're good enough to get you there. Um, the first person I thought of maybe was Dan Ige in featherweight. Um, but I just want to see who you would name this line after and maybe in a couple weight classes, where do you think that line falls? Thanks. Man, that's a great question. Um, man, this is tough. Let's see. I like the Ige one. I think that's a real good one. Mm. Each division. Rafael Asunza was like perfect at Bantamweight before he retired. So that's a good one. Flyweight's tough. Lightweight. Dan Hooker? I think Dan's a good one. Neil Magny is 1,000% the correct answer. Welterweight. Middleweight, probably Jack Hermanson. Light heavyweight. Light heavyweight's tough. Maybe Vulcan Ozdemir? You go out there and you melt Vulcan, you are you're you're good to go. Heavyweight Heavyweight's tough. Jarzinho? Maybe. Flyweight. Andrea Lee. Women's flyweight. Strawweight Tisha Torres by a mile. Bantamweight. I mean, there's really no division there, so I don't know. Yeah, Bantamweight, I, I'm not really sure, but that's a great question. I, 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 I interpreted it as like the litmus test, like the next level litmus test. I think, I, yeah, I think I, I think I got it. I think I got it. Bantamweight, I'm not sure because there's only like 12 fighters in the division. So if I have to pick one, Kevin Vieira is probably a good one. I know she's like the highest ranked of all the names I said, but again, Bantamweight, women's Bantamweight has like 11 fighters. So The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cole, hello. Good morning, Mike. Uh, love to see Fabron stepping in to fight Corey. God, a couple of dogs there saving that card. Love it. Um, just kind of wondering, like, what you thought of uh, Dominic Mysterio winning that NXT title on, uh, what was it, Tuesday night? I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, also, did you hear about this, like, Dan Hardy potentially coming back. If so, like, this is kind of crazy, but <laughs> what if we saw him versus Nick Diaz on that Jake Paul, Nate Diaz MMA card that's eventually going to happen with this all this 10 million number getting thrown around? But, yeah, that's all I got. Have a good Friday. Um, Dominic, good for Dominic, man. Like, that dude has gotten over to the point uh, it's just it's just so funny every time that dude has a microphone in his hand that he just gets booed out of the building like he can't even he can't even speak so yeah getting him on another show and using him and how over he is on the main roster to get over other talent at NXT is great i didn't see it coming i don't really watch NXT i used to watch it every week but it's just gotten real bad but yeah, that's a nice little, uh, it's a nice little curveball by the by the WWE. So yeah, good on them, man. I love Rob Font stepping in. So that should be very fun. I love that fight a lot. And again, Rob Font at thirty six years old, kind of didn't have a choice. Honestly, like even if the Boston fight was still available. Even if Song Yudong wasn't going to be able to fight, was going to be able to fight, I still think Rob kind of had to just take this one. The way you look at it, like if Rob wants to fight for a title, he had to take this fight. Not saying that like beating Song Yudong wouldn't get him there, but the road's much longer. He beats Corey Sanhagen. I'm not saying he's in, but he's probably a win away if he beats Corey. And again, 36, we've talked about ages. Fighters over 35 in the lower weight classes, 170 and below, they do not fare well in title fights. So you got to strike now. So I love that fight. God, man, that is a great fight. That's a great fight. Uh, Deny, hello. Hey, heck of a morning. What's up, man? Can you hear me? Yep. Well, my question is, is it worth spending 500 bucks for the nosebleeds in uh, Boston Garden? Because I'm probably going to go to Bill Burr. I paid 80 bucks for UFC Tampa back in 2019. I can't shell out that kind of money. Why is it so damn expensive? Because people are going to pay it, man. They're going to pay it. That arena is going to sell out. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I got so many messages from like buddies of mine and family members when those tickets went on sale. They're like five or three, four, five hundred bucks to sit up in the three hundred section. And here's the thing: there's not even right now. Let me look at this card. Let me look at this card. The only right now, as it stands, let's go through it. We got Sterling O'Malley, John Lamos. Right now, the only possible Boston representation on this card that could happen is Rico DeShulo. If Rico DeShulo wins his next fight on the Ultimate Fighter and makes it to the finals, he will be the only local fighter on this card. The only one. So, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much that's going to hurt tickets. The thing about Boston, man, they come out, man. They come out. Doesn't matter who's on the card. They will sell that place out. We got wacky ass main events in that building, and people come for the first fight. Like they come for the first fight and they stay. These are fight fans for sure. Uh, whether they're hardcore fans and they watch every event, or they just want to sit in, a, in an arena while people punch each other in the face. Like Boston's got all those boxes covered, but yeah, 500 bucks is a lot, man. Cost of living in Boston is so ridiculous right now. It's so insane. Rent is ridiculous. House prices are ridiculous. Everything up there is just super high. And now you're asking people to spend 500 bucks. I can tell you this. I haven't talked to him yet. Um, but I have family who works at the garden. They do security there. I can tell you this. They are not excited for this card. Uh, the UFC events at the garden. Yeah, you get a lot of good fans. And it's probably like this everywhere. But they are very, very busy when the UFC comes to town. Chucking people out of there. People starting fights. Just acting like a bunch of knuckleheads. They are probably not looking forward to August 19th. But uh, some news there. I'm actually going to be there. I'm not going to be at the fights, but I will be there for fight week. Uh, I'm using it as an excuse as well to go, to, to go back home and visit. I've already booked my flight. I will be in Boston for fight week. Uh, Jose will be there as well. And I'm very excited. It's going to be a very busy stretch for your boy. Because we got... 291 next week. So I go to New York for the watch party next Saturday. Come back Sunday. I'm home Monday. And then I fly to Dallas Tuesday for Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. I'll be there all week for that. And then come home for a week. And then the following Tuesday, I'm out to Boston for that week. And then I go from Boston, New York on the Saturday of the card for the watch party. Fly home Sunday. So I haven't traveled all that much outside of the watch parties. I think the last time I've traveled for an actual fight week was International Fight Week last year, 276. That's it. And now I get to do – I'll be doing two fight weeks in like a three-week stretch. So it's going to be a busy time. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I mean, the company was okay with, I'm like, well, I'm just going to pay my own way to visit family, but I still want to just go and cover stuff. And they were like, yeah, go for it. We ain't going to say no to that. And I, it just wouldn't be right. It just wouldn't be right that the first events in Boston, since I jumped over to MMAfighting.com, that I wasn't there. I had to make it happen. 
and I'm going to be there uh, for the fight week shenanigans. And hopefully we'll have some fun content as well. I'm working on some stuff. Um, working on some stuff in Dallas as well. I'm going to try to make a visit to Fortis MMA and, and see safe and, and all the fighters who are going to be training there. Uh, it should, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun time. I have a feeling Dallas is going to be a really fun week. And I have a feeling there's going to be more news on that front coming sooner rather than later. So stay tuned for that, but it's going to be a fun time. Two nine two still pretty good, man. We got Sterling O'Malley, we got Zhang Lamos, two title fights. Jeff Neal, Ian Machado, Gary's gotten pretty interesting. A little bit of a rivalry boom in there. Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz, Cody Garbrandt, tough fight with Mario Batista. We get Gerald Mearshart. Last time the UFC in Boston, Gerald Mearshart was there. He didn't fight, but he was he cornered Brendan Allen and he cornered Macy Barber. So now Gerald gets to fight on the card, fighting Andre Petrovsky. Chris Weidman is back. Like, I feel like that is not being talked about enough. Chris Weidman coming back from that hellacious injury, fighting Brad Tavares. I think it's perfect matchmaking. We get Robocop back against Dennis Tullian. We got Marina Morose versus Karina Silva. That's a great fight. And we get Andrea Lee versus Natty Ice. We get Natty Ice at 292. Exciting stuff. This is gonna be a. It's gonna be an entertaining watch. And then I, I believe we're getting the two tough finale fights on this card as well. It should be a fun watch. And then we head into two. Like two ninety one is great. Two ninety two is a banger. Two ninety three. We'll see what that ends up looking like. Do we get out of Sonia Strickland? We got Manel Cop versus Kaikar France on that card. That's a great fight. You know 294 is going to be ridiculous. MSG is going to be insane. What else do we have on 293? Tai Ivasa, Alexander Volkov. We got Araujo, Casey O'Neill, great fight. Carlos Ulberg, Daun Jung, Jack Jenkins, Chepe. Jack Jenkins, Chepe Mariscal is ridiculous. We get the Justin Taffa, Austin Lane rematch. Blood Diamonds versus Charlie Ratke. Tyson Pedro's back. Shane Young's back. It's going to be fun. We'll take a couple more. Let's go to CV. Last call if you want to ask questions. Uh, line up if you want. CV, hello. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Happy Friday. Um, since we were just talking about hey, the, the Boston card, um, since Font is now fighting uh, Corey, um, is is Sonya Dawn still going to be in the card, or are they looking for a replacement? I don't know. Maybe put him in against, I don't know, Adrian Yanez. Um, what's Peter Yan saying? Uh, what do you think? And um, speaking of Sanhagen and Font, if Font um, like secures a like a spectacular finisher, or like he beats Corey, is he a fight away from the title? What do you think? Yeah, I think he's at worst a fight away. If he beat, if he goes out, and, I mean, if he goes out and just knocks Corey Sanhagen in the middle of next week, yeah, he's a win away. Who he would fight, I'm not really sure. You have to think. I mean, we kind of have to wait and see how this division plays out. Will like if if Aljo wins and vacates, what's it going to look like? If Sean O'Malley wins, what's it going to look like? 
But I do think Rob is in a title eliminator for sure if he beats Corey Sanhagen. Maybe it's enough. If t- maybe timing works out in his favor. I don't know. But it's a fight he had to take. And to answer your other questions, kind of goes hand in hand. Song, Song wouldn't be able to – Song was out of UFC 292 as it was. That's why this fight was so easy to put together. I, I was not aware of that until I confirmed that Rob was taking this fight. But Song is out. Uh, undisclosed reasons. No word as to why specifically. But right around the same time Umar Nurmagomedov informed the UFC he had a shoulder injury, Song Yudong was basically right behind him exiting his fight. So there will be no replacement. He is not fighting. Uh, and even if Rob Font was still on this card, he wouldn't have been fighting Song Yudong. So it actually worked out great. And now we get this fight and huge opportunity for Rob. Let's see if he can get it done. It has potential to be really, really good. Henderson, what's up, buddy? Free for all Friday. Yes, man. So, what do you got? Um, I don't know if you know anything about UFC cards, like baseball cards, but UFC, do you know anything about that? I know GC collects them. Uh, he's taught me some things, but so, I know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we looked, we, yeah. So I, I, I'm a collector of them. I'm a fan, obviously, of the sport, and they've only existed since 2009. They're kind of a weird thing, but what makes them especially weird and kind of cool in my opinion is that in the UFC, right, there's no season. So like there's no rookie year. And because of the way the cars have cards have always been made, they just like decide randomly to make someone, someone's rookie year and just start making cards of them. So every single set, you have no idea who's going to be a rookie. Who's not like Moreno was a rookie after he won the belt. So it doesn't even make any sense. So they just announced a whole new list of rookie cards um, yesterday. And there's a whole bunch of fighters on there who are fighting today, but like, it just goes to show how weird it is. Like, so we got Myra Bueno silver rookie card, Miranda Maverick, Roman Delize, Tyson Pedro, uh, Justin Taffa, uh, Robocop, uh, Brian Barberina. So you can get a rookie card at any point in your career, but the big rookie cards of this year, like 2023 are Aaron Blanchfield, and Bo Nickel. And the big question right now is who is a better long-term prospect, Aaron Blanchfield or Bo Nickel? And the outsider bet is Jailton Almeida, who's also a rookie this year. So out of those three, which do you think has the most long-term potential? Jeez Louise. That's tough, man. I think you can make a case for all three of them, honestly. I would say Bo is – I don't know. I, like, it depends on how you look at it. If we're talking just like success, wins, and losses, and, res- and just building a resume, I feel like it's Erin Blanchfield because I just feel like she's going to be the champion forever once she actually gets a title shot. Like I'm so – I've been so impressed with her. I was impressed with her when she got into the UFC, but I thought it was going to be a longer road for her to reach her potential. And I just feel like she's well beyond that, and her potential is even better than I thought it was. And I just think she's a horrific matchup 
for almost everybody at 125. She is a nightmare. And once she figures out the striking and gets that better, no one's going to beat her. No one's going to beat her. So I would say resume and records and all of that, I think Aaron Blanchfield is number one. If we're talking five tools, if we're talking total package, wins, losses, accolades, superstardom, it's Bo Nickel with a bullet. It's definitely Bo. Aaron Blanchfield could defend her title a million times, and she might, but I don't think she becomes the star that Bo Nickel will become if he gets to a title fight and wins it. They are going to push him to the moon. He's going to be everywhere. He's everything the UFC wants. Right? Good fighter. Good on the mic. Political beliefs are with the UFC side in a lot of respects. Like, they're going to push this dude to the moon. But they're also going to, like, not rush him either. So, dollars and set. Like, whose bank account is going to be bigger? It's going to be Bo Nichols, for sure. And Jelton's, like, right there. But I'm just... I, Jelton is just so good at heavyweight. But I'm not, I just don't know if he's at, I don't know if heavyweight is like the place for him for his long, like long-term success. I think he will do quite well anywhere he fights, but is he better suited at 205? Like we still don't know. We'll find out for sure with the Curtis Blades fight. But I mean, Jelton could be a two division champion. Like he could definitely, like he's got it in him. It's tough. It's tough. It just depends on how you look at it. Whole package is Bo. Just fighting and building a resume and winning titles and all of that. It's probably Blanchfield. And I would say Almeida is just outside those two. But I would invest in all three of them 100%. And how is Brian Barbarina a friggin' rookie? Like, of all the rookie cards that you throw out there, Brian Barbarena? I feel like Brian Barbarena has been in the UFC for two decades. I know he hasn't, but I feel like he's been in the UFC for two decades. Toe, hello. Welcome back. Oh, thank you. I just have a little add-on because um, I'm uniquely qualified to comment on the Dalton line because I've been a Bengals fan since 2005. And I'll just say, <laughs> the guy that you know it's just never going to click for is Brad Tavares. Who has beat him? It's been Drigas de Plessis. It's been, it's been Israel Adesanya. It's been, it's been people that basically all went and fought for either a number one contender spot or the belt. The only exception is basically Edmund Shabazian and uh, Bruno Silva, who hasn't gotten the chance yet. But yeah, I think with a bullet, I would just call it the Tavares line and just say it's never going to click for him. We know, we know that by now. We also knew it about Andy Dalton, but we didn't do fucking shit about it. Anyway, we're in a much better place now as Bengals fans. But I will say, I will call it the Tavares line, and that's it. Tavares is a good one. I would say Gerald Mearshart's probably a good one, too, for 185. Um, but, yeah, I think Tavares is probably the right answer for 185. But Hermanson's a good one, too. Yeah, Tavares, I, I, could t I, I could see both. I could see both. 
Andy Dalton won games. Like, he could win games. It's tough. But both those are acceptable answers. Uh, Cole wanted to chime in, then I'll get to Daniel, and then I got to go. Cole, hello. All I got to say is I'm team NFL – or not? sorry, team UFC Combine. Let's go. Let's make it happen next year. International Fight Week. Bang. Fuck defending fighter pay. No one cares. Boom. I love the Combine idea. Uh, Jed and I have been talking about that for a long time. Uh, we talked for like another two hours like on our Slack channel about a Combine. That would just be so fun, dude. Like, but mix it up. Like, can you imagine, like, Big Willie Knight benching 225? Like, that dude would bench 225, like, 7,000 times. I, like, I, I don't know if 225 is, like, the right weight to do, but if we did, like, a bench, if we did a 40-yard dash, if we did, like, a vert, and then we did, like, a couple of fun workouts like some AMRAP stuff, like just things that fighters do in strength and conditioning all the time, but they like go up against each other. And then we add like little floaters, like you punch the, you know, the power puncher thing or the, the thing where the lights all light up and you try to touch all the lights. Like that shit's amazing. Like that'd be so fun. It's way better than watching the fighters play basketball. Like so many people would watch that. And I think that's super fun. I think it's a great idea. I would love to do it. Um, and I, I, I think we could do it. Like, I think we could do it. It would take a shitload of work, but I would love to make that happen. That'd be incredibly fun. Like, who's the best athlete in MMA? Like, we would find out. It'd be the best. Daniel, take us home. Hey, Mike. Top of the morning to you. Heck of a Friday here. Um just wanted to get your quick opinion on this international Mexican card. Um, happy to say I'll be in Vegas for that weekend for a bachelor party. So that card is on my mind. Just trying to think what other Mexican fighters are going to make it on that card. I know Grasso is going to headline that, but just curious if there's anybody coming to your head um, of any fighters that might make it on that one. Thanks, Mike. Uh, hey, look, it's, they're doing something different and they're trying. So I respect the hell out of that. So here's the lineup as of right now. We got Grasso Shevchenko rematch for the title. We got Shafkov versus Calvin Gastelum. Chris Curtis, Anthony Hernandez. I love the Tracy Cortez, Jasmine Jastavizius fight. Lupe Godin as Sam Hughes. Edgar Chirez making a quick turnaround. Fighting Daniel Lacerda. Cynthia Calvillo, last fight on her deal. Fighting Elise Reed. <sighs> My guess, I mean, I I can't think of, like, a bunch of fighters, but there is kind of one glaring name in my eyes that is not on this card that I think will be. I would guess Raul Rosas Jr. will be on this card. That would be my guess. If there's any other name that's going to get like the poster treatment, it's probably going to be him. I don't know what kind of matchup he gets. He'll probably take a big step back because I think putting him on there is about getting him a win and letting him look good. So yeah, I think, I think Rosas will find his way on this car, but it's probably, I mean, we're getting close. We're less than two months away. So 
but I would I would say him. He seems to be like the glaring one that if they're going to throw somebody on this card to, to boost it, good or for bad, no matter how you feel about the kid, dude generates interest. That's for sure. So we'll see if he gets booked. But all right, everybody, thank you all very much. We will return to the YouTube airwaves in just under two hours from right now, 1 p.m. Eastern for the UFC London preview show. It'll be myself, the wise wordsmith Shaheen Al-Shadi, and Jose Youngs. We will talk UFC London. We'll take some questions. People's pre-fight show tomorrow, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, early day MMA, just the way we like it. Uh, myself and E. Casey Lydon. And then after UFC London wraps and packs, we will have our post-fight show. Who's it going to be on that? Me and New York Rick? How about that? A combo uh, if, at first. I have never, never done a post-fight show in New York Rick. So that's where you're going to get tomorrow evening very exciting stuff and then we'll have an on to the next one i don't know who's going to be my co-host for that but i have to figure that shit out i'm glad i reminded myself working things out in my brain as as i speak so thank you all very much we'll see you at 1 p.m eastern for the preview show have a great rest of your friday have a wonderful weekend and as always have a heck of a morning and enjoy the fights Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.